You heard me say it, and I believe it wholeheartedly, that if you lead with identity, everything else will follow. But I've had the experience in my work of coming in contact with individuals who want what follows, but aren't willing to lead with identity. It used to bother me and I could not figure out why they did not want to lead with identity. Then it dawned on me that people think that doing identity work means that you're broken. When in fact, it has nothing to do with brokenness and it's not an attempt to fix you. Identity work is about coming in alignment with who you are and not fixing, but honoring who you are and building a brand that is most authentic to who you are. So if you're ready to leave with identity and become a supernormal superstar, visit YourSupernormal.com right now and let's do the work. Welcome to season three of Transformation Radio, where we transform lives through organic conversations, regardless of how uncomfortable and unpopular those conversations are. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring, ring with the harmony of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise. Let it resound loud as the rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song. Full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of our new day begun. Let us march on is And I'm not sad, but it's not a celebration. I'm just trying to put the 
What's up, everybody? Welcome to Transformation Radio. That's right, Transformation Radio, where we transform lives through organic conversations, regardless of how uncomfortable and unpopular those conversations are. Before I go into who I am, for those of you who uh, prefer not to listen to uh, language that may not be your everyday language or it might just be your little language, you know, when you're off to yourself, I uh, do apologize, but I wanted the message of that song to be the theme song for our show right now. It is very, uh, to me, the song is very prophetic. It is very profound. And it is talking about the need for change, not just the need for change as it relates to us from a spiritual side, but as it relates to the totality of who we are. So hopefully you can listen past that language and hear the message wrapped within the song. But if you can't listen, just fast forward through the intro if you're listening on the replay. That is definitely okay with me. Now, listen, my name is Clifton Pettyjohn. I'm a purpose strategist, author, transformation coach, and spiritual leader. I provide tools and strategies to transition individuals from merely existing to living a life full of purpose. That's right, a life full of purpose. Now, if you're out there and you're wondering if I'm talking about you, if you're out there and you're struggling with the concept of purpose as it relates to your life, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a deep breath in, hold it, breathe out. One more time, breathe in, hold it, breathe out. If there is breath remaining in your body, then that means purpose yet remains. Therefore, I am talking to you, but I also have us do that exercise so that we can center ourselves and make sure that we are present on tonight. It's very important that we're present on tonight, that we're not worried about anything else that we have going on, what we feel did not go right on today, what we feel should have went better on today. We're going to forget about all of that right now because we are at an understanding that everything that we went through led us to this moment. And because we are here at this moment, there is a conversation that is about to take place that is going to completely transform our lives. It is going to completely shift or cause us to have a paradigm shift as it relates to how we look at ourselves, how we look at life, how we look at others, how we look at our circumstances, and how we look at purpose. All right. So listen, as I said, we are in season three, guys. Can you believe we made it to three, season three? We have thanked Ms. Yvonne Mason. She provided an awesome platform for us, and now we are here on our own, guys. We are here on our own. So I want to make this announcement before we get to our guests. I am looking for two individuals who have an idea for a podcast or an idea for a radio show. Now, remember, you can't just come to me and say, Cliff, I have an idea. It needs to be written out. does not have to be a detailed plan. It does not have to be uh, anything that's written out perfectly. We can perfect that thing together. But I want to connect with you, and I want to sponsor your show for a year and a half. I'm doing this for two people. Why? Because Ms. Yvonne Mason did this for a year and a half for me, and the only thing she asked me to do was to pay it forward. So in order to pay it forward, I felt because I was one person, I need to double it so that those two can double it and those two after them can double it and we continue to transform this world 
through our platforms. As I said, I do not, I will not take ownership of any of your content. You can have all of your content. If you decide to leave the network, you can take your content with you. I just want to be able to provide the platform for you to get your voice out there, to get your message out there. Why? Because there are people that are waiting for you to come into what you were called, created, and designed to do. So if you're out there, you have a show idea, you have two ways to reach out to me. You can text IDEA to 302-648-5544. Again, 302-648-5544, and we'll set up a time to have a telephone call or we can have a Zoom call. It's up to you. Or you can email me at info at cliftonpettyjohn.com and you can put idea in the subject line and tell me your show idea okay so you're out there i'm putting it out there for you i want to give you this great opportunity now we have an amazing guest on tonight and guess what nothing's changed we're going to continue the phone lines being open the entire show excuse me the entire show i want you to be a part of the conversation that's right i want you involved in the conversation. That means that something is said that ignites something inside of you or something is said that stirs up a question within you. I want you to feel free enough to call in. You are a valuable part of the conversation. However, I want us all to understand that my platform is diverse. It is diverse. We have diversity in guests, all right? Our guests even have diversity in their belief systems, in their values, in their thoughts, in their opinions, in their personal processes. You are not going to agree with everything that our guests say, and you're not going to agree with everything that I say. Or you may not agree with everything that another caller says. That's okay. It is extremely okay. However, we must make sure that we agree to disagree, number one, and when we do disagree and we want to express our disagreement, we do it in a respectful manner. Because if not, I'm going to have to hit that X, and that's going to end your ability to communicate with us on tonight. But I don't believe we're going to have that because I believe that everybody that is listening on tonight is listening with an open heart and an open mind. Why? Because when we can embrace each other's diversity, does not mean that we have to pick up other people's belief systems or their values. We have to be rooted in our own belief systems and values, but we still can take pieces from each other and learn from each other. And when we do that, we begin to create a world that's even greater for us and everyone else that's involved, all right? The call-in number is 515-605-9847. Again, 515-605-9847. Nine eight four seven. Now, without further ado, it is time for us to get to our amazing guest. He is a world ambassador. He is a two-time best-selling author. He's a radio host. He is a serial entrepreneur. He is an apostle. None other than Doctor Ira D. Roach the Third. So, I want each and every one of you to help me welcome him to the show on tonight. Dr. Roach, how are you tonight? I'm well, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm excited about the conversation, and I believe 
that those that will hear the conversation, their lives are going to be transformed in ways that they've never even dreamt or imagined. I, I, I pray that, that that does happen, and I'm sure with you leading, it will happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here we go. I always start with an icebreaker question. I use the same icebreaker question all three seasons for everyone. This is my favorite icebreaker question of all time. And that question is, if you could have one superpower, what would that superpower be and why? I think it would, well, my, my, one of my, some of my famous or favorite superheroes would be the X-Men. So I think it would be probably what Professor X has, the ability to not read people's thoughts but connect with others. And that is because I would be able to help everybody all over the world um, and not just help those around me. Now, here's why I asked that question. I asked that question because it's my belief, and I, I believe that I've, acquired enough data here on the show that I am 99.99999% accurate that many times when we answer that question, we answer that question according to what we have been called, created, and designed to do. So that's wow. why I always like to start the conversation with that because it helps mm -hmm. us segue right into the conversation. Mm -hmm. That was good, sir. So, that was good. So now we're going to play a quick game of word association. I have five words. I'm going to throw them out there to you one at a time. And I want you to tell me the first thing that comes to mind when you hear these words. <laughs> the first word is life, life. No death, speak life. Okay, I'm writing this down. Now, I want to ask you a question from that. Why do you think mm -hmm. that speaking life is, is a struggle for a lot of people in the world? I mean, I, I think it's not just geographically problems for some mm -hmm. people, but I believe a lot of mm -hmm. people struggle with that. Why do you mm -hmm. believe that is so? Hopelessness. Um, a lot of people feel like it's just hopeless. Some of the situations that many people go through in the whole world, they feel like it's hopeless. And they, they, you know, if I'm hopeless, I'm definitely not going to look ahead and see the light in the tunnel or, you know, uh, speak life because, um, I, I'm hopeless. I have no faith. So I believe a lot of people just have lost hope in what they see around them. Mm -hmm. Now, if somebody's at that state, see, we kind of go all over the place here. But mm -hmm. if somebody's Sorry. at that state in their lives where, where they feel as if there is not, no hope, what is one step they can begin to take in order to either recapture that hope or to gain hope in that area of their life? It's something that you did in the intro when you uh, were talking about your purpose and you did that exercise about taking a breath and you know, breathing, it's sort of, the first step is appreciate being alive. Yeah. If you're alive, 
it means one huge thing that there must be something that's going to happen that's better than where you are right now. There's always yep. a possibility if you're living and breathing, always. And so the first step is just change the perception of, you know, being hopeless to, hey, I'm alive. There must be someone, some resource, or something that can help me get to where I need to go. That's it right there. That And that first step right there can get you right where you need to get uh, get going because that is the reality of it, changing that perception and realizing yes, I'm sir. here. Therefore, if I'm mm-hmm. here, there, therefore, there's something greater inside of me that has yet yes. to evolve or yet to come into fruition. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next word is ministry. The world. Mm-hmm. Now, you gave a broad aspect of ministry. How did you get that mentality as it relates to ministry? Because, you know, sometimes we've had narrow mindsets as mm-hmm. it relates to, relates to ministry. Mm-hmm. So how did you get that global perspective as it relates to ministry? It's a word you also used earlier, um, diversity. If I look at everyone and help everyone, with how I look, I'm not doing much to help people. Right. I help everyone that talks like me, walks like me, looks like me, thinks yeah. like me. I'm not doing very much. And so I had to learn how to understand uh, others, culture, mm. um, their goals. Um, I know you've heard of it before, the seven mountains, uh, the seven spheres mm-hmm. of influence. Um, we can't stay mm-hmm. stuck in one, I guess I'll say out the box. That's how I learned how to right. have a worldview perspective. I had to think outside the box. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to talk about that a little bit later as well. <laughs> the next word is refuge. Safety. Safety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know we're going back to that. Marketplace. <laughs> <laughs> Kings. Yes, yes, yes. Let's talk about the king king mindset. The king mindset. Mm-hmm. Why is it important mm-hmm. for us to understand that we are kings? Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, I was reading. Um, I'm reading a, a, some information. I'm 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 big on, as you well know, um, I'm big on um, the marketplace because it was something I never heard mm-hmm. when I was coming up in church when I was younger. I knew it was more. I knew it had to be more, but no one ever taught me that. And so I know it's important about the kings because um, I was reading a book. Um, I'm, I'm studying a book, and uh, Dr. Miles Monroe, the late Dr. Miles Monroe, actually was uh, wrote this book on leadership. And just one particular um, excerpt of this book talks about how that we were doomed from the beginning. Uh, and how we were raised because we were raised in an era or uh, from generations that we could never be dominant or never be a leader or never have wealth. And so it's important to understand what kings are because when people are uh, in the church world, because the kings are the only ones that have, as we say, the outside-the-box thinking, 
Kings mm-hmm. are here to fight. Prophets never, I mean, prophets never fall. You know, they, they, mm-hmm. they, they could direct the, direct the word to go, but the kings are the one that fought. You know, King David comes to mind, one of the greatest kings in the Bible. And he, he, he was an entrepreneur. He, he was witty. He, he carried the glory of God. And so it's very important that people understand that we're more than just a title. We are kings. And that's not a mm-hmm. title. That's a mindset. That's a mindset. Now let's talk about the mind. That's let, let's talk about the mind. Let's talk about the mind. Mm-hmm. Why is it such a battle within the mind of those who have been called to be kings or, or who are kings? Because they were, more, I guess, more or less, they didn't have the Moses experience where he was raised mm-hmm. <laughs> by royalty. Mm-hmm. You know, we more or less. Most of the kings have been, uh, someone gave me a word last year. I think it was my son, Prophet Corey. He said, you know, God's going to bless you because it has been easy with you saying big around little people. Mm -hmm. I thought that was powerful. Times kings don't understand who they are because they don't see themselves. That's who they've been Mm -hmm. raised around. With the schools, they've, with teachers that have put them down with, with jobs that have kept them low, they don't know who they are because they're not around those other mm. kings. And so it's very important. My prayer is that these kings, some kind of way, that we can build a village to help them understand who they are because it's up to us to call them out, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Now, as you are a teacher of kings or a discoverer of kings, Mm-hmm. or one who helps kings de- discover, you know, who mm-hmm. they are. Mm-hmm. How do you, I guess I want to know, how do you find the balance in being patient and understanding that you're fighting against a principle yeah. that's established in them mm-hmm. versus fighting against them? Mm-hmm. I guess that comes to being humble and, and going mm-hmm. back to when, I too was rebellious or or suffered from the fear of success. You know, most people have that fear mm. of failure. Many many of the people who are kings have a fear of success. They've they've yes. lost so long and they've seen so many people lose. If they win, I I'm I'm somebody's gonna die. Something's gonna happen. This yeah. ain't it. And when it, we were called purposely to live like that. That's what we're called to do. We're called to dominate mm-hmm. this earth, according to the word. We're called to dominate, period, in Genesis. So most of the kings don't understand that. And that's where they, they have the fear of success. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you hit that fear of success because we have focused so much on the fear of failure. Mm-hmm. And we've misidentified the fear of success as the fear of failure. Because that's, you know, how our minds yeah. was were programmed. And I had to come to that reality even within myself. Cliff, it's not the failure mm-hmm. that you fear. You you kind of mastered that in a lot of areas of your yeah. life. But mm-hmm. you fear that what if I do this one more time and it yeah. doesn't go the yeah. way that it's went before? What do I do after that? What do I do mm-hmm. after that? That's good. Okay. 
So yeah. let's get this last word. This last word is transformation. Change. Change, 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 change. Okay. So now we're done with that. We're going to come back to those words, though. I'm, I'm very sure throughout the conversation. What I want to do <laughs> is give our listening audience, uh, those of you that have listened to season one and season two, you have heard me talk about uh, Dr. Roach. You heard me talk about him from the, the standpoint of entrepreneurship. Because when I didn't even believe the possibility of entrepreneurship inside of me, I I told them how you spoke it, you know, over my life, but not just spoke it over my life. You pushed me to it. You pushed me to it. You pushed me to it when many times I I opposed the push. You know, I talked even about ministry, the restoration side of it, when there was times I struggled with the prophetic in my life, how you just, boom, do it, just do it. So I, I really want people to gain an under a background understanding of, you know, your beginnings, how you advance, and how you got to where you are now and why you're so passionate about pushing individuals. And sometimes you push some of some of the hard heads. And I'm not talking about anybody else. I'm talking about myself. I'm talking about from from a personal standpoint, I know that God has graced you for that very thing. So I want to give you an opportunity to share with us your journey, you know, as far back as you want to go to where you are today. Well, first of all, I want to say I'm honored that, uh, you know, the Lord has used me in your life and you know, I'm just honored. I'm, I'm really honored. You were saying those things, and I got glassy eyed because, you know, I'm I'm learning that uh, I have to really uh, rediscover my value sometimes. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm teaching people that now that, you know, never let your value be deduced by anybody. So I appreciate you saying that. It just kind of, you know, gives me a a push to say, hey, see that. See that? Look at this great man right. on the station, you know. So I appreciate that. Um, I guess I always like to go back to when I was four years old. And what's ironic, um, I went home the other day. And I'm from Milton, Delaware, a little small town in Delaware. You know, back in the day when I was young, Milton was just hardly nothing but grass and, and darkness. <laughs> and I remember going back uh, maybe a couple of days ago last week to the old trailer park where I was where I was born, where I first remember living. My mom, my dad, me, and across the street, there was a little country store. And long story short, my dad walked in the country store one day. I walked in with him, and the, and the man was killed. We found this, this man murdered. And I remember that. There's only two instances I remember at four years old, and that was that. And then the fact that my dad told my mother to get out, um, pack your stuff, and get out. Don't use a, don't use a suitcase. Use a trash can, but that's who you are. Go. And I'm bringing back to that when I was four because from that instant, um, I did not receive counseling. I did not receive any therapy. And from that point on, I developed a, a, a thought pattern that said everything was my fault because my parents were divorced. And from that thought pattern comes with so much more uh, baggage of low self-esteem, 
Um, I was bullied then. That words, um, I just did not believe in who I was. And honestly, all through my, my teenage years, my 20s, even up to 30s, I always blamed myself for everything. Even I got married and I blamed myself, even if something was, was not my fault. And so this low self-esteem, this, this, this pattern of, of not thinking I was nothing was my whole mindset. Even in church, even being a, a pastor, when I first became the Lord, allowed me, of course, I was, didn't want to be in front of people for years. I didn't want to talk in front of people. I didn't want to say nothing to people because I didn't have the best experience in church. I don't want the listening audience to think I'm bashing church, but this is my journey. And I heard the man of God say a while ago, you know, you might not agree, but I did not have the best experience in church coming as a young boy. Um, I was not the ideal uh, stereotype of a man. So a lot of prophets, a lot of church folks told me I basically had a demon that I, 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 was, uh, I would never be able to help anyone because I was just this little gay thing and didn't have nothing. Uh, people were really mean to me. They prophesied mean things to me at church. And so, of course, I developed this thing where I don't like church. And it's not easy when you have family members that are heavily religious and they're all in church. And you have a cousin that loves church and everybody pushes him. And they feel like you're supposed to be like this cousin. The one thing that was good I always had, my dad taught me was be a leader, not a follower. So I never, I was never was a beat to anybody else's drum but my own. And so coming up in church, I was in a very, uh, what we call traditional church. They didn't, they didn't think outside the box. The women wore skirts, the men wore pants, the boys didn't have girlfriends, one of those type of churches. And from my life, being around those type of people, I never saw anything good about what I could do to help people. But I would often see folks that I thought that they should help, that they would never help. And I promised the Lord that these people who were depressed, that they were good people. They they didn't look like everybody, but they were good people. I said, God, if you allow me to be able to help people like that, I'm going to do it. And I remember, I'm going back, I remember when I was maybe eight, and I was watching Rocky II, and I remember him winning by being counted. Uh, he, he was counting, he won. And he was at the end, he was raising his hand, he was calling Adrian. And I remember crying. And my dad was like, Dummy, what you crying for? He won. I said, I know, but his wife is happy. And he's not going to get divorced now. And he's, and he's happy. And I knew then that I was different because I want to see people win, underdogs. I want to see people folks didn't believe in. As a young boy, I knew it had to be something in me to want to see them win. But I didn't know how. So through my life, the the different types of, and I'm not I'm not going into everything. I'm gonna um, go from being in ministry and how the Lord brought me to a, a a ministry from my hometown into Dover, and a woman and her husband, a little woman, kind of breathed life back into me. I started leading praise and worship. Remember, I didn't want to talk in front of people. Didn't want to be in church. Didn't want to fool with church. I knew I had to love God. 
and I started doing praise and worship. And this woman, the Lord allowed her to breathe life back into me. And through praise and worship, I started gaining confidence in being in front of people and able to minister to people and able to exhort. I didn't know any of these things until she taught me. And so long story short, that's where I first started my ministry. Never had any idea I would ever be a pastor. And one day, that happened. And my dear scripture, I think you said a word a while ago about refuge. There was a scripture we use in Second Samuel, I want to say 22 and 1, where David was hiding in the cave of Dulem. And the Bible says that these misfits, people that were, they didn't know who they were, and people that were hopeless came to him. He became a king over them. And I believe that was my design for the Lord to help me to become that king over people that were misfit, that were broke, that were hopeless. And that's how I started my ministry. And we called it the House of Refuge. And of course, two years later, the Lord said, you got to make it bigger. There's got to be a bigger vision. And so we said City of Refuge. And so even still, going through that, I knew that there was still more. And the Lord allowed me to be able to tap into what you call the marketplace a while ago. And the Lord showed me a dream. And he gave me cell groups. And so I would tell people in my church, they would look at me all crazy. I'm like, there's, there's something we're missing. There's something we're missing. It's more than church. It's more than being a preacher. It's more than standing behind the pulpit. It's more than standing inside this building. Yes, outreach, but it's more. And that's when the Lord began to reveal to me about the releasing king. And so I started studying on these kings and what the kings represented and the mindset and what the Lord wanted us to live and how he wanted us to live. And so then I studied the seven mountains and that, that there are all types of influences. It don't have to be just in church. Religion is only one of them. There's government. There's family. There's, there's media and arts. And so I started doing that. And the more I understood that there, oh, they don't have to be behind this pulpit, I started teaching my people that, that, you know what, you might not be a preacher behind the pulpit, but you might be a preacher with the media arts. You might be an influencer with that. So I try to redirect their minds and their focus to being an influencer, not just a preacher. And I needed to still more because the Lord allowed me to meet a new village in the arena of public speaking and motivational speaking. And of course, that's when I went to Les Brown, I met Les Brown, and that was awesome. Met some people, and from there, God still had more. Um, on my messenger on Facebook, I would talk to people from Kenya and Nigeria. And three years ago, this young man from Nigeria said he wanted me to be his father. He didn't have a father. He was 24. He said, I, I, I'm an entrepreneur, and I, I want you to help me. And three years. Me and this young man, we, we bonded on Facebook, on Messenger. And I said, you know what? I don't have to be in Nigeria to even change the life of the person that is in Nigeria. And so one thing I knew that I also had was I've always mentored people. Always mentored. Always mentored. And I just want the Lord to help me to use that to push young boys, young men that were that didn't have any hope, the father was not there, or they didn't have no family, they didn't have anybody believing in them. And so through the years, that's what I've tried to do. 
And most recently, I decided that when 2020 came, that that was going to be even a bigger step that I need to make. And I believe in the process, so shall I prosper. And I said 2020 was my year to be global. And the Lord allowed me to go to London. Then just go to London, I met an ambassador, a man that was a part of the UN, but he's knighted in Burundi. And we met, and we connected, and the rest was history. And I became a civilian ambassador in April of 2020. So I'm looking forward to what the Lord still has me to do and even more. So that was just a, a nutshell in my journey. And I wanted you to share that because, you know, as you were sitting and you were talking, all I could think about was, can anything good come out of Sussex yeah. County? Oh, wow. You know, can yeah. anything good come out of Sussex County? And I really hope yes, that those that are listening that aren't just in, that grew up in a little town, or you, you may mm-hmm. be in a little mm-hmm. town right now, or you may view mm-hmm. yourself as little, even in a big town or a big state or wherever you are, I mm-hmm. want you to understand that it is possible for you. It is possible for you. You just have to continue along your journey. You can't walk away. Yes, you can't give up when you want to give up. You have to understand that everything you're going through is all a part of your journey. So that's all I kept saying, because anything good come out of Sussex County. So th- this is awesome. This is awesome. Because one of the greatest lessons I think that I pulled from there was that no matter what, every time you reached a goal, you understood there was more. So you didn't rest in that thing saying, well, you know what? I've already accomplished what they said I couldn't accomplish. I already accomplished what I thought I couldn't accomplish. I have to stop now. You kept going and kept going and kept going. So my question for you would be, what is it that motivates you? I'm going to be very honest. It is something real simple. When we were in kindergarten, um, of course, you know, God is always my motivator, the word of God, mm-hmm. always. But human form, uh, when I was in kindergarten, people would ask, like you said, if you want to be a superhero, well, in kindergarten or elementary, they would say, who's your, who's your hero? And my answer would be, my daddy. And mm-hmm. it's funny, but I'm almost 50. I'm 50 in a few months. And that's still my answer. My dad, mm-hmm. he's one of my biggest motivators because he has taught me over the years, you don't quit. This man lost both mm-hmm. his whole quality of life changed right before my eyes. And I didn't think I was going to be able to watch my father be a devil amputee. And this man, and, and be on dialysis, and you know him, you know, he's been mm-hmm. baseball and just, you know, yes. cut fast and, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. This man can't drive anymore. He he can't, you know, his whole, and this man has not stopped. I remember one day I was going through something um, with the school and it, it was, you know, all this negativity in the paper and I was just all down and he had got his second leg cut off, and he was he and he he beat the odds on that and was in the rehab. They didn't expect to be in the rehab fast. He did. And I remember walking in his room, and he had some company. And he was talking, and he was talking with the people, laughing. And I looked at him. I said, "Wow!" I had to go in the bathroom and repent. 
immediately because I'm like, here I am. Mm-hmm. I'm all down and looking all stupid over some negativity that's going to pass anyway. And this man's whole quality of life is not going to change mm-hmm. when he comes out of this room. My stuff's going to pass. Believe it. It's going to pass. But he's right. not have those legs. And this man, I'm telling you, and I looked at him, I said, wow. Years later, I still say the same thing. Who's your hero? It would be my dad. And that's one of my biggest motivators. I've never seen him stop. I've never seen him quit. It's not even in me to quit. And that's one of my biggest motivators. Absolutely. I got to say, one of the hardest working men that I've ever yeah. known, I ever knew growing up. I yeah. ever knew growing up, you know, truly is. I truly an inspiration. So now you said something else that, that was a trigger for me. You said, I've <laughs> always wanted to see people win. I've always wanted yeah. to see people win. Yeah. When do you remember coming to that reality or, you know, remember having that whole understanding of I want to see people win? When I watched the Rocky movie, Rocky Two, and I busted out crying at the end, and the, mm-hmm. the, the reality was, his wife, him, he and his wife were having some issues because yeah. you know, she really wanted to fight no more, and and they were going through with with the, with the finances, and you know, if he won this fight, it would pull them out of that that rut they were in, and so I knew after that Rocky movie, I think I was eight or nine, like wow. There's something about me crying off of him winning. You know, I should be crying when I'm when when I'm sad, but I was crying because I was so excited to see him win. And so then I kind of, in my little young mind, I was like, I just want to see people win. I want to see people like Rocky, because he was an underdog. I want to see people mm-hmm. like Rocky win. So it was like eight years old. Josiah, right? <laughs> yeah, that is. Now, Let's talk about winning because mm. when I think about winning, I personalize mm. it because winning for me may look different than mm. somebody else winning. Mm. But I do know that there are people that measure either their winning or their success mm-hmm. based upon mm. other people. Mm-hmm. How do we transition from measuring my success or my winning off of what I see other people doing or even the illusion of what other people are doing on social media. Cause we know a lot of times what's posted on social media is not mm-hmm. the reality of what's going on. It's true. So how do, how do you get individuals to transition from that to personalizing winning and success in their own lives? You know, prophet, apostle, doctor. Um, I hate, science and math and and all of that, you know, but there's a simple equation that I teach people about success or winning. The number one, you got to focus on yourself. You cannot, I Mm -hmm. promise you, you can, and I know it's not easy. You cannot focus on these folks that have this plastic life on social media because it's not true. Most of it's not true. And it's not even about them anyway. You just want to focus on your journey. But I teach a simple equation. You make a goal, you accomplish that goal, you're successful. If I say, I'm not going to drink soda all week, and I don't drink that soda all week, I can go and celebrate because I'm successful. And that's what I teach people. It's a simple equation. 
You make a goal, you achieve that goal, no matter how big, how small, how minute. You, you make a goal, you create the goal, you, you achieve the goal, you are successful. That's what success is. Not how big your house is, not how big your car is, not you got a Miati, not you got uh, several businesses. You can start and say, I'm going to sell lemonade and make $50 all week. You do that, you're successful. And that's what I teach now. That little simple equation. Mm -hmm. Goal plus action equals success. And I like how you made it simple because sometimes we try to make everything so complicated and so complex Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. we miss the simplicity of it. And if we can grab the simplicity of it, then we can begin to experience the success. Like you said, it's not about, you know, measuring it against anybody else. It's about setting that goal, accomplishing that goal. Boom. We win. Now, you talked about how your pastor breathed life back into you, how your pastor Mm -hmm. breathed life back into you. Mm -hmm. Now, as a pastor, what does it feel like? What is the experience like for you when you encounter those that now what your pastor did for you, you mm-hmm. see it oh. manifesting in the lives of mm-hmm. others? Mm-hmm. It's, 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 we did a documentary um, mm-hmm. after 16 years, and I showed the documentary to my oldest son, Delane. And mm-hmm. I showed it to Corey. I showed it to Sable, the kids that, you know, I raised. And they were almost in tears after they watched that documentary. And I believe it was because they saw those people that came broken and didn't have hope or didn't know who they were. They saw Anika. They saw Gordon. They saw little Antonio. They saw them on there. And it's like, wow. You know, I remember when they first came, they weren't who they were now. And so it's like a feeling I can't even describe. You know, I don't think there's any better feeling for me to see someone like Gordon, little Gordon that came when he was 16 and, you know, the family laughed at him. He was, he was, you know, they basically called him crazy and he had a, you know, you, you just have a nervous breakdown and you're not really. And to see that young man today, an entrepreneur, he, he, he has another location, even after some things yes. happened where his one location was. He has a whole other location. And today he was ordering his decal to put on the window. And there's no better feeling than to know that I had a hand. I'm not saying it was all me, but I had a hand mm-hmm. in shaping that young man's life. There's no better feeling. There's no better feeling. And you know what it is? It's love. That's how my, that's mm-hmm. how my pastor, I was so broken from prophets, proper line to me and, People shunning me, and she breathed life by loving me, by loving me, and that's mm-hmm. and that's that's what you do to people. But it's no better feeling, no no greater feeling. And let's stay right in that vein because you talked about the documentary, and I want to talk about the book. The city of refuge changed mm-hmm. my or changed our lives, changed our mm-hmm. lives. Let's talk about mm-hmm. the concept of the book. Um, I've read the book and knowing a lot of them that wrote the the part that they wrote, it's amazing to me seeing where the part of the story I knew them from 
and then even learning more about their background yeah. and then where God yeah. has positioned them at. Now it's like yeah. amazing. It's that's why I asked what ministry is to you because ministry this is ministry. You know, mm-hmm. this is ministry. This is when you really begin to see people's lives transformed. Yeah. And now yeah, they yeah. can communicate that transformation because mm-hmm. you know sometimes it's hard to put language to something. But when they yes, now sir. can put the language to it, that is so powerful. So I want you to talk about the book, the concept, all of that, all of those things. Two years ago, um, and I love the way you put it, and uh, I just want to shout this out. You know, a lot of, as, as you were saying, you know a lot of these people, but you also were, had a great impact in their lives. I, and I want to thank you for that. You've really been, you've really been, uh, intricate part of these 16 years, whether it was three, four, two, and shaping the lives of these people, you know. So I really just want to say, I just want to shout that out real quick. Thank you for being a man of integrity. That they could follow, especially young men. Thank you for being a man of integrity. Never had to worry about, you know, you teaching nothing different than what the Lord gave me. And I just want to say thank you. If I haven't before, I'm going to say it right here on this live radio show. Thank you for not just being the prophet and the title, but being a man of integrity. And that's very important. So I appreciate that. So um, Thank you. two years ago, I wanted to, like you said, ministry for me was, I said, there's got to be more. And you know what? Honestly, the concept came from somebody had talked about one of our members or talked about our church. You know, we had tried to go to use church and folks said they didn't want us to use their church. And people said this and said that. I said, you know what? How about we make a book? And let people read, really, what these people's stories are, then they might shut up, mm-hmm. you know? Maybe they might shut that mouth mm-hmm. when you really realize what these people have been through and who they used to be, and now you see them. And so it's, it's right. sort of kind of like show and tell. Here you go. Here's our church. You want to you wanna know who we are? Here we go. Here are these people. And I think the most powerful moment, we had a book signing, and they were all excited. A young lady, 16 years old, I believe she was, she started reading the book, and they, they looked at it. They had to go get her some tissues. And they said, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she said, I'm reading these stories. I didn't know Andre went through that. And I didn't know Scott went through that. And I didn't know this little 16-year-old student was in tears. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even know why, but she read the stories. She didn't know. I had a call from one of our own people that read a story from Hannah in the book. And she was like, Apostle Roach, I didn't know. I didn't know that's what she went through. I look at her different now. And I said, that's the response I want right there. That's the response I want, because the hardest critics are the ones that surround us. And so that was the concept. I wanted the world to see where these people have come from, what the city has done, and how important. And so the gentleman that actually published it, he was from London. So it was, you know, they were international authors, but that's the concept. I want the world to see the stories because I believe we all have a story. And I believe each story mm-hmm. in there, somebody could resonate with it. Even little David's story, who now is 10 years in ministry. He talked about how he was yes. bullied and never had a voice. And, you know, somebody needs to hear that when that suicide right. rate is 10 to 24 is the second leader cause of death. Somebody needs to hear that. So that was my purpose. And that was a concept. I want the world to see these stories, to be blessed by them, and someone to come to, you know, come to the knowledge of, you know, 
I want to change my life, and I can do it too if they can do it. Awesome, awesome. Now, I also want to do a, a plug here because there are pastors that listen to the podcast, and mm-hmm. pastors, you feel stuck. You feel like you don't know which direction you need to go as mm-hmm. it relates to your ministry. You've tried mm-hmm. everything that you know that you need to try. My encouragement is that you reach out to Dr. Roach. And here's why I encourage you to do that. Because in writing a project like this, it encourages you too, because now you're being fed by that which you fed. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you need to be reminded of what it is that God has called and created you to do. And as you're reminded, Mm -hmm. then it can begin to expand. So I encourage you to reach out because this is another extension of ministry yeah. that some who will never step foot in your church can right. be empowered, educated, healed, and delivered from reading the stories, especially now we're in the pandemic. A lot of people are going yeah. out to church, but this is mm-hmm. a great tool that could be utilized. And some of you have been pastoring for years, mm-hmm. so I encourage you to do that. Now, we we have a little bit more time left, and I want you to talk also about your own personal books that you've written. I want to give you the opportunity and the space to talk about those books as well. Thank you again. Uh, the first book I ever written, um, my my youngest son, like I said, he said I was before my time. I, re- I wrote this book in 2005. And it was called Speak His Words, and it's a book of mm-hmm. basically scriptures that go along with some of life's crisis. Um, I know abuse is in there, anger, unemployment, and it just has a chapter of a scripture, and then it has a, a prayer that you can pray with that. Um, I've been in a couple of book collaborations. Um, one, of course, with Les Brown, the other with Dr. Farouk Sensei, and they both were bestsellers. And then my very own personal is called Daddy Knows Best. Um, this book mm-hmm. gives statistics at first about the the fall of, of what young men go through without a dad in the home, the statistics, which are alarming. And, you know, the, the, the statistics of them being in jail. And then it's chapters of my very own childhood. Um, a chapter when I played baseball, my dad, I finally hit a home run, and he was there. And after each chapter, there there's actually an exercise that men can do to help them, as you say, transform. And so that's my that's my latest book. I actually have a project now called Focusing Forward. Um, this is through the Global um, Writers, and I have some people in the book. And actually, Gordon is in that book, and his chapter is on resilience. And so this is going to be even bigger. Awesome. This is a a 31-year-old um, colleague of mine named Dr. Raymond, he's also an ambassador, and he has a publishing company in Canada. So we couldn't, it's supposed awesome. to have been published in October, but, you know, we, we've held it back some. But um, that's, that's my latest project, and I'm really proud of that project, and I can't wait till it comes out, but I hopefully you can get an exclusive when it does. And um, awesome. I, I'm going to give you exclusive so when it does happen, um, I'm definitely going to give you exclusive so you can, you know, we can definitely talk about that book. It's going to be awesome. Michelle Smack is in there. Cool. If you don't know that, oh, okay. a lot of people, she actually goes into detail how her son was murdered at three years old mm. and how the church folks 
told to shut up and, and don't talk and all of that. So um, it's going to be an awesome book. It's going to be awesome. So um, that's the latest that I have. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Now, here's what I want you to do uh, real quick. I want you to, and I don't, I'm not rushing you when I say real quick, mm-hmm. but I want you to either speak speak to or pray for three different types of people. The mm-hmm. fathers. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess fathers and children, because I want to hit the children as well. Mm-hmm. The entrepreneur and the mm-hmm. authors. Because there's a lot of people that have a lot of ideas that mm-hmm. are locked up, that mm-hmm. are ready to come out, and they need a, a king to come to release mm-hmm. them into it. So wow. I want to leave that space for you to be able to mm-hmm. do that. I want to. I want to first of all just speak. We'll say speak to the the. I want to say the the fathers that are trying to get back you being in the lives of their children. Um, let nothing stop you. You are valuable. Um, I often talk about the $100 bill, and there's a, a little exercise we do with the $100 bill. We crumble it up, and we say, who wants this $100? People say me, and we'll take it, and we'll step on it, and throw something on it. And then we'll say, who wants this $100 bill? People say me, and then we'll take it again, and we'll probably take it and pour stuff on it and put dirt in it and we'll say, who wants it now? That's say me. And we ask the question, why do you still want it? They said, because it's still $100. It's still valuable. And so I often mm-hmm. tell these fathers that uh, are are afraid or hindered in being in the lives of their child. I've been in jail. I've messed up. Nobody believes in me. You are still valuable. Regardless yes. of what the family says, what the baby mama says, they need you. You're still valuable. I want to say that to you. To the entrepreneur, this man just said a while ago, you just got to do it. Don't let the fear of success cripple you. You have to focus forward. And if you fail, you fail forward. Last year, I only had $100 and it didn't work. This year, I got 101 fail forward and keep going. If you know you're an entrepreneur, I heard Dr. Miles Monroe a lady came to him one day and she was saying how that she was so hurt because her job had laid her off at the hotel. And he asked her, what do you have in your house that you can use that can make you money? Because he gave us the power to get well. And he said, the lady said, I don't know. I have nothing. He said, how often do you, do you use your stoves? She said, on Sundays. He said, make me some of those cookies you made. <clears throat> Excuse me. Long story short, he told that lady, well, make some cookies in and bake some and go carry them to your job for free. Story goes, the lady carried a cookie to the job for free. People wanted some. They started ordering them. In six months' time, this woman had a whole, had to get a, a, a factory because she was getting so many orders because that, that uh, hotel told another hotel. Who told another hotel? He said, and in six months' time, this lady came and gave him this envelope, he looked in, it was $10,000, and she told him, thank you. And this is for me paying it forward to you because of what you told me. So I said that story to say this. Most of the time, entrepreneurs, I heard this man say a while ago when he asked me the question of the superhero and it's, what superpower do you want? He said 99.9 times, and that's, that's what you desire to do, and that's what you have, and that's what you're called to do. 
You have to know who you are and what you're called to do. And if you're called to do it, I will tell you this. Get a mentor. Get someone that's already doing what you're doing. And most of them, if they really are passionate, they won't charge you anything. They'll give you the resources. Now to the author. Somebody needs to hear your story. That pastor, that first lady, that choir director, that one that left the church and went to another one, they need to hear your story. I'm going to give you a quick, simple, just write every day, write 10 minutes a day and tell your story. For 21 days, write 10 minutes a day, and you're going to have yourself a book. And then you find someone to help you format it. Authors, we need you. We need to read your stories. We need to hear your stories. Some of y'all, some people are scared, public speakers. Hey, guess what? Put it in a book. Put it in a book and let someone read and leave a legacy. Leave a legacy for your family. Leave a legacy for your name. Most pastors don't even have a book written. I challenge you. I challenge you. Get with someone and write your story. Awesome, awesome. Now, we are off the air. We've talked ourselves off the air. Um, <laughs> the next question I want to ask, I have three more questions, uh, then okay. I'm going to let you go. The first question is, if everybody was to forget everything you said on tonight, because you've hit us with a lot over mm-hmm. this hour, what would mm-hmm. be one thing that you would want them to walk away with? Always focus forward. Never look behind you. Focus forward and reaching your goals. I don't care what you've gone through. Focus forward. Please, focus forward. I don't have no hope. Focus forward. I'm scared. Focus forward. If there's anything I can want you guys to remember, just focus forward. Awesome. Now, the second question, you've already uh, told us about your father, but here we also like to acknowledge what we call transforming transformers. And transforming transformers are those who have submitted their life to the transformative power of God and Mm -hmm. They also aid in the transformation of others. They are pastors, mm-hmm. mentors, family mm-hmm. members, whoever it is, mm-hmm. friends that push us in those moments mm-hmm. when, you know, we want to take a rest, but we don't need to right mm-hmm. then and there. I want to leave mm-hmm. space for you to acknowledge. I have, I usually put a limit of five on it uh, because sometimes, you know, you start to think about a whole lot of people, but mm-hmm. those who have been those transforming transformers in your life. I have to say, uh, Pastor Diane Watson. Mm-hmm. Pastor Diane Watson. Overseer Arshel Chase. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, this is the one that uh, Bishop Mary L. Alexander. Yes. She said her first, right? <laughs> <laughs> and Bishop Marvin Morris. All right. Awesome. We honor each and every one of you that has served as Transforming Transformers. We thank God for your life. We thank God for everything that you're doing to create a greater world. Now, before I get to the last question, I want to leave space for you to give everyone your social media handles, your website, 
how they can sign up for your coaching programs, how they can learn more about you, all of those great things, how they can book you, everything. I want to leave that space for you. I appreciate that. Uh, the website is www.dryroachthethird.com. Facebook and Instagram are do- is Dr. Ira Roach. Twitter is Dr. Ira Roach. And I don't think I use uh, Snapchat any of that that much. My email is ira.inspires at gmail.com. And the radio show that comes on every Saturday morning on I Wish It 96, you can definitely tune into that um, tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. I Worship 96 dot com is the radio show on the Dr. Ira show. Awesome. Awesome. Now we end every conversation with the same question and I've never had anybody give the same answer. Even if they give the same generic answer as they go into explanation about it, they never give the same answer. So I want to know who is God personally to you? There's a song we used to sing, God is my all and all. He's everything to me. He's my all and all. I'll put it that way. He's my all and all. Does that make sense? Awesome. He's my all It makes and a lot all. of sense. <laughs> he's just, he's my all and all. Yeah, it I makes perfect sense. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 no. I just said he, I am because he is. Because he's God, I'm here. And he's just my all in all. Mm. Now, here's why I asked that question. I asked that question, as I said, because nobody has given the same answer. And we're on season number three. And I wow. always ask that question, regardless of people's backgrounds, all mm-hmm. of that, because I know that when we have conversations, we are being introduced to new realms and dimensions of who God yeah. is. So as yeah. you're telling me who God is to you, I'm gaining a greater understanding of who God is, and I may need to pull on your testimony oh, wow. of who God is mm-hmm. the next time I grow, go through something that it can apply mm-hmm. to. So I always like to end every conversation with who God is. And I believe that as long as we live, that there are still experiences with God that we can still gain. So that's why mm-hmm. I always like to end the conversation with the, that question. Yes, sir. I want to thank you for joining us on tonight. I thank you for your transparency, for you sharing so freely with our listening audience. I truly appreciate that. I appreciate you once again for inviting me and hopefully we can do some work together in the near future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listening audience. Listen, I thank each and every one of you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to text refuge to three zero two six, four, eight, five, five, four, four, again, three zero two six, four, eight, five, five, four, four. That's going to let me know that you have listened to the entire broadcast and it's also going to give you an opportunity to enter to win at the draw, to win the drawing at the end of the month. 
I thank you for joining us on tonight. I appreciate each and every one of you. Visit www.cliftonpettyjohn.com. There you'll find our podcast. You'll even find episodes of Transformation Radio. And as I always say, create a great day, walk with purpose, and by all means, execute your vision. Peace. So I know you've heard me talk a lot about working with people in entertainment, and perhaps you don't necessarily work in entertainment. And if you do, you may not need a full overhaul at the moment. However, you may be facing a challenge or working on a project that you could use objective perspective or expertise on. Um, This is why I offer consulting. Here are the areas I can help you in. Branding, marketing, creative strategy, spiritual development, identity strategy, style and image, content strategy, entrepreneurship. I would love to work with you to navigate your challenge or to enhance your project. If you want to book a one-time session or inquire about a short-term consulting relationship, you can do both by visiting YourSupernormal.com. Let's get it.